Hi, welcome to episode 132 of In The Move Podcast. I'm Pete Shepherd, alongside... Callum Reid. How are uh, you doing? It's the week. I'm good. Um, it's a glorious evening. It's the week of the <laughs> two Isaacs. <laughs> Double Oscar Isaac this week, um, so all is right with the world. Mm. Um, we've had... So we've, we've, we've had an we've, offline discussion about Chelsea's FA Cup woes, so we're just going to ignore that. Which I was going to bring up anyway. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you were. <laughs> my uh, family, I was just like, my family actually made me watch Match of the Day in front of them on Sunday. To see the <laughs> To see my terror. reaction my reaction to the atrocity that was, uh, the disgrace, to quote uh, Mr. Mourinho, that was Chelsea losing to Bradford. Anyway, film podcast, film podcast. Yeah. Um, any other business this week? Is um, How's life in Sutton? How are the cougars I'm of Sutton? Of, I'm, I'm out of Sutton now. It's, I'm, into a diff, I'm into a far more uh, reprehensible area of uh, Birmingham. <laughs> it's what comes from being a homeowner. <laughs> homeowner. You sound so yeah. proud. Oh, yeah. Or just the first two um, uh, syllables of that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, um, right, so we're going to... I mean, last week just ended up being epic, so we had to cut 20 minutes out of it. Yeah, it was a joke. We, we had so many films, and we'd, we'd basically both seen pretty much all of them, so... so it went on forever, so all the news got cut last week. We did talk about the Berlin lineup, So we're going to do that again, and hopefully... Briefly, sh- please. ...shed more light on it than we did last week. Um, yep. So... Yeah, last week's news was um, Joel and Ethan Cohen have uh, been announced as the presidents of the Cannes Film Festival jury. Mm-hmm. And we're assuming that they've got to have two votes. Yeah, yeah, because they can't, even though the test might be similar, they can't really do that, can they? They can't no. share a vote. Wouldn't it's, be like, right. it's like Julio and Roy Jones. We both pick the team. <laughs> Well, that, is that, the, reference, right? that is the most random reference. <laughs> but is the it, most is it Roy one. Evans? You're Roy Evans and Gerard Hulia, joint managers of Liverpool. What an absolute crock. <laughs> That's going back about... That is 20 years. <laughs> a long time. 20 years. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, the Coins obviously big at Cannes. Um, a lot of their films have been at Cannes. Yes. So, uh, from a long time ago as well, the early 90s. Yeah. It was Barton Fink. Did Barton Fink win? It, I think it won something. Um, was I don't know if Miller's Crossing was there or not. Mm. Um, but they have, they have got a film coming out next year. But I think it's going to be late next year. So right, that's um, that's not going to be in conflict. No. Um, so I don't know what would you expect them to go with anything. Um. Kind of. Noir yeah, based well, like pulpy or yeah we, we were thinking noir last week um, I could also just think quir- I just think quirky in general I also think maybe something intellectual because they do tend to go I mean in the, in them newer films you think it's like a, ser- uh, a serious man there's a lot of like religious uh, overtones to that uh, especially with how it, well, the end, they're ending it like the character's Job so uh, I do think that it, they might actually be drawn towards like an allegorical foreign film if it was uh, like a slow allegorical foreign film yeah well yeah we'll, we'll have to wait till April to see the lineup, mm. and we could speculate then 
Yeah, but I mean, I, I, um, a Carlos Regardez type thing if he had more of a point than usual. <laughs> he's, he's probably due another one. <laughs> well, he's probably due <laughs> making a point. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. Yeah. Um, okay. So, the Berlin Film Festival lineup is announced. Neither of us are going. Nope. Um, I was thinking about it, but I've just spent money on a flight you got to the New bills. York. Yeah, you got the bills. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, so, competition lineup. Firstly, as film called 45 Years uh, from yes. Andrew Haig, which we've already talked about. Yes, yes, yes. With Tom Courtney and Charlotte Rampling. Which, promising actors, promising director... Yes, yeah, yeah. it weekend. looks really looks really good. Mm-hmm. So, sounds really interesting. It's uh, that's definitely one to look out for. Lots of potential for stomach shots. <laughs> Swimming pool flashback. <laughs> um, there's a film called Afarim from um, Romania, which is uh, set in the 19th century sheriff uh, western type film. Um, other ones of note, there's a film called Body, which is from your favourite director, Malgozata Samovska, <laughs> who, did, who did who? L. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, we did talk about this, yeah. <laughs> which uh, anyone can go back to episode two and find Pete's <laughs> annihilation of L. Yeah, when I, 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 was, I was more interested in the, uh, the steps. Of the cinema than I was the actual sex scenes. Yeah, we got, we got a, yeah, we got more of a review of the decor. Yeah, uh, at the at the Middle Art Centre. So not um, Juliet Binoche's finest moment. No, no. But there is a Juliet Binoche film in the lineup. It's Nobody Wants the Night. The Isabel Coichette Choir, whatever you want to call her. It's she's got an ex. <laughs> How dare she! Uh, so we we can look forward to that. Yeah, that, she's also doing uh, a film with Sylvester Sloan called The Unpronounceables. Is that some kind of spin-off <laughs> from The Expendables? It should be, shouldn't it? Well, with Schwarzenegger, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, Benoit Jaco's remake of Diary of a Chambermaid, the Bunuel film. Which just sounds like a laugh, right? Which we... I think we established that neither of us have seen this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, um, I think I, I, had, I had some a couple of it's it's some right. Yeah, I had a couple of uh, really really not great uh, introductions to him. So it was it was going to be next on the list, but um, or Hassar Balthazar really um, put the nail in the coffin on my interest in any more of his films. That's Bresson. I thought it, what, it was Bresson. What story of Chamber then? Who's that? Oh, is it? Oh, is it Bresson? I thought it was Benoel. Oh, I, I thought it was Bresson. So there's confusion there. It Ooh. might be... Um... Oh, film geeks, geek off. Let's see who wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you... Did you see Diary of a Country Priest? That's what, uh, that's what I'm thinking of. Um, yeah, that'll be it. You'll be right, and I'll be thinking of Diary of a Country Priest. Which you, you haven't seen, then? No, I haven't seen either. You might like Diary of a Country Priest. It's not Diary like... Chamber, uh... Didn't that get, like, BAFTA not Random BAFTA noms? Did it? I don't know. Um, yeah, you're right. It is been well. Do I have a chain rent? I'm, I'm pretty sure that might have got like a random best actress nom at the BAFTAs or something. I'm not sure. I'm probably just making this up. It's not going to be my day for um, 
<laughs> it's not been well. It's um, we've got it wrong. No, it is. Diary of a Chainmail has been well. I've got it up. Oh, on IMDb. Oh, apparently um, there's one in forty six, ninety forty six from Renoir. Oh right. So it's been, it's been right round the uh, French it's, director. It's it's Jean Moreau, Moreau and uh, Michel Piccoli, the uh, Bunuel one. Right. Uh, right, we, there's a film called Eisenstein in Guanajuato from Peter Greenaway about Sergei Eisenstein who did Battleship Potemkin mm-hmm. which you I've seen, seen you haven't yep. yeah doesn't exactly look very exciting um, it's it, it's quite good actually um, you can see it's more for the influence I mean if, if you see some, like, the scene at the on the steps uh uh, has been ripped off quite a few times. I mean, most brilliantly in uh, the Untouchables. Well, brilliantly. I mean, it just depends if you think that uh, Michael. Uh... Oh God, I just blanked on his name. Nightfest. No. Oh my <sighs> God. Oh. <laughs> Peter Hitchcock, a rip-off merchant, um, did Mission Impossible. De Palma. Um, Brian De Palma. Thank you. I don't know where I got Michael from. It just depends. <laughs> it really isn't my day. Um, <laughs> It just depends if you think that um, he's homaging or just a hack. And uh, I think sometimes it's homage with him and sometimes it's hack. I mean, Mission Impossible, that's straight out of Top Cappy, the main scene. Yeah. It's, <laughs> don't get me started on Top Cappy. <laughs> it's two hours of my life, I'll never get back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, there, there are big similarities there. Mm. Um... Looking down the list, Knight of Cups, a Terrence Malick film uh, about celebrity in Hollywood. It sounds like a seventies Russ Meyer film. <laughs> Knight of Cups. Yeah, especially Knight K N I G H T. It's just God. that is a weird title, isn't it? Um, we have film Queen of the Desert from Werner Herzog, which is Nicole Kidman potentially Betty role of a famous explorer and archaeologist mm. British mm. Um, it's a film from Pablo Loran we like to know a lot so that's, yes. that's encouraging this, mm. this is called The Club and there's a, a, a film from the guy who did The Nostalgia for the Night uh, The Light the documentary yes. which we didn't it's mind. interesting yeah uh, that's called the Pearl Button. Out of competition, some interesting titles. Uh, there's a new film from Olivier Hirschbeagle, who has Oof. <laughs> started. He's tried, off... he's tried to destroy his career, and well, this is a film called Thirteen Minutes, and he's gone back to Hitler. Oh. Uh, it's about... don't, you, don't we all? <laughs> Eventually, um, which is about the attempted assassination of Hitler in 1939. Wouldn't that have changed things? Mm. <laughs> well, it's the tad. Uh, there's also a film from Kenneth Branagh, Cinderella. Yeah, um, that actually looks good. Is this, the, is this the Disney one? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I quite like the trailer for it. All the, all the teasers that have been out there. Mm. It's quite fun. Um, there's a film from Vin Vendors called Everything Will Be Fine. Which uh, is not, not necessarily re- representative of the film. Okay. Well, it's <laughs> given that James Franco's in it, perhaps not. Um, well, you know what? I, I think the last film of his that I saw that I thought was interesting was 
Don't Come Knocking, and that was only really because there was a couple of nice supporting performances in there. Um, Sarah Polly, I think was Jessica Lange in that. Please yeah. don't make it th- three terrible ones in a row, Shepard. <laughs> Sam, Sam Shepard and Jessica Lange were in it. Yeah, I think Je- it's one of the few things I like Jessica Lange in, but uh, I don't know. More on her later. Mm. I just, um, I love that at least three things that that man's done, and he'll always hold a place in my heart because of them. Uh, but uh, Alice in the City's Paris, Texas, and Wings of Desire. But yeah, he's kind of like I was having this discussion at work today. Um, when does a, was a football team stop being a big team? And they're like, "What do you mean?" It's like, "Well, it's been ten years since Leeds won the Premiership." Yeah, and it's like fifteen since Forest. And so, so to, with that, I just think when when did I mean when does a big director stop being a big director? And I think with vendors, it was probably about five or ten years ago. Right. Sadly. Well, he does have a, a nominated documentary, which hopefully we'll get to see. Oh, what, this year? Yeah. The Salt well, that's, of the Earth. Well, well, that's interesting, because I mean, didn't he do the Buena Vista Social Club? I don't know. You might have to. I've got to, I've got to get one right. You, you can't have. I was going to say, if you got this wrong as well. Um, Come on, Shepherd. Come on, Shepherd. Come on, Shepherd. Director of Impenders. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. What we've, was that good then? Yeah, that is quite good actually. Nominated for an Oscar um, in '99. So hopefully he's back. We'll see. Um, and lastly, a film from Bill Condon, um, Mr. Holmes, which stars Ian McKellen as an aging, well, aged Sherlock Holmes. So that could be interesting. I do like I, Sherlock Holmes. Those those two reuniting. I mean, yeah, awesome. Mm. Okay. All right, so on to uh, awards. Um, the Producers Guild Awards were in midweek. Do you know which one, what won this? I think Birdman won it. Birdman won it. Um, so that's a big um, it's a big deal because the stats are high for matching the Producers Guild Award with the Best Picture Oscar. But it's the not absolute. Hmm. Um. If we move on to the SAG winners, Birdman also won the SAG Ensemble. So together, this is a boost for it, definitely. Although one would probably have expected it to win the SAG. Well, the thing with the SAG, uh, they actually had it on the radio today that Birdman won the uh, highest prize at the uh, Screen Actors Guild Award. Yeah, and it's gone, It's not called Best Picture. <laughs> yeah. But given that Argo won the SAG... Well, yeah, but I mean... The thing is, you could have a film that you actually... I don't know, I know if you go and look down the history of it, it's probably... But theoretically, you could have a film that you thought was crap, and but you thought was really well acted, and you give it best ensemble. I know it doesn't quite work that way, but still. It's... Was, is it not like... Do you not think they vote for the film they wish they'd been in? <laughs> probably. <laughs> I mean, there's ones that are just undeniable, like Gosford Park. That's just yeah. a given. Epic. But the King's Speech won this. I'm not going to start bitching about the King's Speech again. <laughs> but <laughs> well, when you get Jennifer, when he comes home, when he comes home to Jeffrey Rush's wife, and there's Jennifer Ely there, and she didn't actually say Mr. Darcy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think there's obvious examples of um, like Argo is probably the biggest where they they should probably have given it to Lincoln because it's a big. 
you know, it's a bigger ensemble. There's better performances in there. I suppose the problem with Lincoln is that the the central performance dominates the film in a way that something like Argo doesn't. Argo is more of an ensemble piece because Affleck gives a more, um, I don't want to say generous performance, uh, but he gives a more unshowy one. Yeah. Yeah. So, Boyhood could have won this, but. I mean, I would have voted for Birdman. I think everyone in it was um, did very well. So I'd have gone for Boyhood, um, but then again, um, if you go sort of outside Hawk and Arquette, what are you talking about? Well, there's only the four of them. I mean, I mean, but it depends. It depends how you view it. I think the guy who played his photography teacher just did really well with that one scene. Yeah. And I think the girl who plays girlfriend in a couple of years, I think she had a nice presence. I mean, I think I think it is a well cast ensemble. I really like the whole scene in general, where uh, that was, was she a redhead at the bowling alley or something like which runs. Yeah, into yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just I do think it's nicely cast. I mean, I think probably the um, abusive father was probably the one sort of like fo- real false note. Dodgy performance, yeah. Yeah. But they weren't nominated. It's just the four names. Oh, really? Unless you're just going to judge it based on the rest well, of the Well, film. apparently, I think they only do it on whoever gets an individual credit. Yeah. Mm, it's weird. Um, so, you think Boyhood's still in the lead? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In the way that I still think it will. I think by the time... Um, the night comes round. Oh my goodness, spoilers! And I, but I think by the time the night comes round in best uh, actor, I think uh, Eddie Redmayne will be the favourite because I think he'll win the BAFTA as well. But I don't necessarily think he's the favourite for the Oscar. Right. Okay. Well, if we move on to that, Julianne Moore won best actress. That's happening. She's, she, yeah, she's winning everything. Can we rejoice? Yeah. I mean, it, thank finally. That. And also, she deserves it as well. Yeah. Based for me, based on the on the competition, and it's so. I actually, I remember saying when when you first said that she's. Uh, looks like she's going to be the favourite for this. I was like, well, I hope she's, I hope she's, I hope she's good. <laughs> yeah, and it's people trying to put the film down as well and say this is like, I mean, all right, f- fair enough, she's done better performances than this, but this is hardly, I wouldn't call this a lower end performance of hers at all. And it's no, perfectly no. worthy. No, I mean, and also the thing is, you got to look at it both ways. You're not, well, yeah, uh, in comparison with the rest of this year, I think she's really quite. Uh, in, in terms of what the Oscars have got to vote on, I think she's comfortably a level ahead of anybody else. Yeah, agree. And and I think if you took her in terms of like her best performances, if I was just rattling off the top five Julianne Moore performances, I, I mean you've got to have Vanya on Forty Second Street in there. You'd probably have the hours in there, uh, far and from far and, and far from heaven. And then it's take your pick. What do you like? Um, I know you like Boogie Nights. I, I probably would lean more towards it at the end of the affair, but we, we, we think differently on those. But then yeah. also something... Safe. You, yes, you, you could go to Safe. And then, or then some... Uh, she, she does do really well with those really trashy films like uh, uh, Shelter and Savage Grace. I mean, okay, fine, what she's actually being asked to do is ridiculous, but she does act those scenes impeccably. Yeah. But um, I think this probably would sneak into the top five, just about. I, I don't think I think if you put it up, up against um, pretty much uh, well, she, did she get nominated for the kids are all right? No, no. She got oh, she got everything but, and people are thinking well, she might have got in. Well, this is way better than that, and she's better than Benning in that as well. So yeah. she almost won. 
yeah so and it's a savage grace reunion with the, the um redmayne eddie redmayne <laughs> winning best actor which a little bit of a surprise um just because yeah. sag usually go with a veteran yeah really of anything you'd expect Keaton to win this and lose the Oscar I would think so mm. it seems surprising I think this means he's going to win Eddie Redmond's going to win regardless you're not worried about the age thing for inversely at the Oscars I think I would be if it wasn't for the biopic factor um, the real yeah. person versus the original character which shouldn't be the case but it is that if you mm. play a real person you get more credit mm. but he is a newcomer yeah. I mean, what yeah. do you think? Do you think Keaton? Keaton's worth a bet because he's probably I think he's, second that, favorite now. I think that's the point. I think they were about even before before the major ones started coming in. I think by the time Oscar night comes around, Redmayne will be at least a two to one on favorite, if not lower than that. So if you get outside evens for him, you get about, you get outside evens for him. It's going to be the one. It's really worth a punt on. If you're going to get on six something. to four or something for Keaton. Uh, yeah, like yeah, outside that. I think, okay, fine. Okay, Julianne, right. I mean, look at the last um, uh, winners Blanchett and Blue Jasmine. Well, I think that's she's one of the best for a while, Blanchett, but I know we yeah. disagree. Yeah, but, but so L- Lawrence, streep, oh. in the iron, streep in the Iron Lady. This is just a joke. This is no comparison. Yeah. Portman in Black Swan, I think she was good, but that's, that's, that's not there for me. Agree, she's but, better than Portman. I'll, but, I'll Bullock. Do that I, mean, I like Bullock. I like Bullock, but no. Winslet in the reader, good performance, but no, this is a different level. Yeah. So that's one. So that's going back to two thousand eight. That's one, two, three, four, five, and a five out of six. We're just we're completely saying yes, she's better than. But well. definitely, yeah. I would say when you if you ranked um, every performance as one, she would be top thirty. Mm. Yeah. Okay, I'm supporting, which is not really worth talking about because that's it locked really up. Isn't. Patricia Arquette and J.K. Simmons, which we both I didn't even like. ask. You know, so I didn't even ask. Yeah. <laughs> or did they not announce those ones? No, no, but I mean, you don't. I don't need to. I hadn't heard. I didn't need to hear. Because mm. you just know what it's going to be. Yeah, which is you know it kills the buzz, but we do think Arquette's the best in that lineup, and um, Simmons is good, if not supporting. Yeah, yeah, he's not supporting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay, yeah, what are we talking about? Um, uh, <laughs> Freaks <laughs> This week we're doing Ex Machina, Citizen 4, The Gambler, and A Most Violent Year. So I didn't see Ex Machina because it's Alex Garland, and I think he's a bit of a hacker's writer when it comes to his third acts. Uh, so, and I didn't really have time, and I didn't really care. So uh, what about you? Um, well, actually, I thought it was called Ex Machina. X Machina as well. Yeah, is it not? <laughs> it's well, I saw like an ad on the telly for it, and it was X Machina. <laughs> oh, whatever. So I was like, oh, but whatever. So X Machina, X Machina. Um, X Machina. It sounds like someone who's been playing football up in the northeast and has moved down south. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why it's called that still to this day. So it doesn't really, <laughs> doesn't really matter. Um, yeah, I knew it was Alex Garland. He, I really love Sunshine. I think it's a modern masterpiece. Um, I agree. For, I agree for I agree for seventy minutes. <laughs> um, but 
so that was good. I haven't seen the beach. Um, so I was expecting this to be creative, at least. Um, sci-fi, I like in general. Mm-hmm. Um, the cast, I'd forgotten by the time I went in there. Right, cool. Citizen uh, 4? Citizen 4, this is probably going to win Best Documentary. Um, and You I never guess... really know with those. I mean, sometimes the big one does get snubbed, but... Yeah, the favourite anyway, at least. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, I knew it was about Edward Snowden, but me, typical me, head in the clouds, has not got much of a clue about what went down there with Edward Snowden. Mm-hmm. So this um, this was new territory for me. Right. I knew a bit about Edward, Edward Snowden. Uh, I So... It, uh, Having seen the WikiLeaks stuff, I knew he was the next big whistleblower. I knew that his uh, leaks had resulted in um, uh, ang- them finding out that they'd, um, the Americans had been spying on Angela Merkel's text messages. Uh, oh, yes. So, so, I, so I knew the end result, uh, and I knew that um, they'd been like trying to try him for treason or spying or what have you, and I, and I knew that he like, um, got detained in Russia. So I knew basics, but I didn't know any of the specifics behind why. I didn't know how it would all come about. So um, I, I, I was actually quite interested in it. Right. Mm. Uh, the Gambler? The Gambler. Um, I knew it was about Mark Wahlberg and that he was a gambler in it. And I, mm. that wasn't inherently interesting, but I had quite a lot of time this weekend. So I thought, why not? Um, I knew that Jessica Lang was in it, which is always mm. a plus for me. <laughs> um, so yeah, mm. didn't know who directed it. No, uh, a most violent year. I'd seen the trailer, thought it looked mm, okay. Uh, I love Jessica Chastain. I think she's an absolutely brilliant actress, um, and I knew she'd be getting very good word on it. Um, so I was hoping for good things there. Oscar Isaac. I used to really actively dislike uh, but 10 years sort of turned me on him and uh, I actually quite like him now uh, especially after um, uh, Inside Louis Davis as well yeah um, so him being in it well as it used to be, might, might have been negative it's certainly not one now um, so uh, JC Chander um, Margin Call was interesting because of the subject matter but not because of how it was made so I was well, I was trepidatious to quote Maggie Gyllenhaal yeah um, yeah, I don't know, it looked a bit boring. <laughs> yeah. Um, JC Chanda, I didn't like Margin Call, um, I, but I had time for All Is Lost, uh, but in any case, he wasn't a draw, but the cast, Jessica Chastain, Did he do All Is Lost? He did. I didn't know that. Mm. Um, Jessica Chastain's great in most things, um. And Oscar Isaac, I really like, especially after Inside Him and Davis. So, expecting this to be to be good, but um, it won the NBR as well. Not that that matters, um, but yeah, it could have it could have been in the hunt this year and didn't really work out that way. Okay. So. Right. So tell me about X Machina. X Machina, or X Machina, um. This is about Domhnall Gleeson, oh. who is <laughs> who is so in love with Alicia Vikander, and just can't she... ask her out. <laughs> it's the rumour mill flying there. 
No, it's <laughs> Annika Rayner. I know, but I'm thinking two films now. Oh, right. is she in it as well? The Kanda? Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that. I was just joking. Yeah. Oh, right. No. <laughs> yeah, don't wait for it. Domino Gleeson is a talented computer programmer. He's working at East. Lots of um, talented tech people on the podcast this week. At the NSA. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) He's working for a search engine company. Um, He wins a competition to partake in this important experiment that the owner of the company is conducting. So he's dropped off in the grounds of his house, um, big house, uh, in a helicopter, finds his way to the facility. Uh, It's got no windows, there he meets Oscar Isaac, who is the owner uh, of the company, and he informs Domino Gleason that he has built a piece of artificial intelligence, aka a robot, who turns out to be Alicia Vikander. Really? And in the following sessions between Domino <laughs> and Alicia... <laughs> and Helen Hunt. <laughs> and the Iron Lung, um, it's uh, Gleason's job to test whether the functions of Alicia Vikander <laughs> Oh my god. Um no the function no, I don't mean that way. Um <laughs> <laughs> the um yeah, the mind and interactions that he has with her, whether she would be a convincing human to the general public, whether this is a true piece of artificial intelligence or whether she needs work. Mm. Right. So, it's I quite like I like the film. It's fa- it's fascinating, but in different ways. So the first half, it's fascinating because dramatically because you've got the sessions, um, you've got Vikander being tested, and their like dialogue with each other is a uh, really interesting. Um, it's scripted really well, so that you're never quite sure how human she is, um, and there's always that blurry line there. But the second half is more fascinating thematically because of how kind of wackily uh, feminist it becomes. So it's sort of like, it's pretty much like a deconstruction of um, the dominance of the male gaze and um, the fetishization because you've got Oscar Isaac who's the owner of the company and he's got loads of, basically loads of robotic women that he's made. And mm. it keeps in cupboards. And it's, very, it's a bit like um, surrogates. <laughs> What's that? You know the Bruce Willis one? Oh, God. It's gone You're back not... a while, isn't it? Yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I guess. I don't know. It's It's just... It's sort of like he's actually made them as well so that you can penetrate them. Obviously, yeah. <laughs> so it's it's all about that. It's like... Fetishization, sexualization of females that they've basically met, like the male has made. Um, so it's pretty much like destroying that. So it's sort of like the men in the film become victims of their own lust. Yeah, lust, weakness, desire, um, which I found really, really interesting. I think it's just, it's something I haven't seen before in a sci fi film at the very least. Mm. Um, Vikander's really good. Uh, it's not quite uh, Haley Joel. Haley's. 
<laughs> it's not quite a royal affair. It's not quite Haley Joel Osmond. Yeah, uh, AI. Because, well, what is his balls? Mm. Uh, just incredible. What, yeah. Where was that nomination? And what? What a joke! Yeah. What year? What year? What, what year was that? Two thousand and one. Yeah. Yeah. So you. Well, so yes. Yeah. yeah. So you're looking at um, Wilkinson in the bedroom, and that's in the best of the decade conversation for me. Uh, you've got Crow in uh, A Beautiful Mind. You've got uh, Washington in Training uh, Day. Training Day. And then... Poof. Sean Penn in I Am Sam. There you go. Disgrace. That's that's where it needed changing. Ridiculous. Yeah. Who have we forgot? Have we forgot someone else there? From 01, what were the best pictures? You've got Gosford Park, you've got Lord of the Rings and oh, I Know. Is it Will Smith? Yes, Ali, yeah. Well done. That was pretty good. Mm. Solid. Um, yeah, so Vikanda, really good. Um, it's because she kind of maintains the enigma behind the machine. So she says things and you're just not sure whether it, how to interpret them. So you're not mm. sure whether it's supposed to be challenging what she's saying because she does challenge Donald. Um, or you don't know whether it's supposed to be antagonistic or you don't know whether it's supposed to be playful, whether she's joking. And I think that's the whole point of why they're there and they're trying to he's trying to figure out whether what she's doing is conscious or it's part of programming yeah an issue with the programming that he can't tell the emotion but she does that really really well it's a difficult character to to gauge Mm. um but the third act (laughs) there are issues no what a shock (laughs) um yeah, he drops the ball a bit. Mm. It's just because it just goes melodramatic. Because he set it up so well. There isn't there's an element of that he's pleased with himself as well. Mm. And I do agree that in Sunshine that when the line comes that yeah yeah when there the grown moment people, happens yeah on the there ship. are six people on board yeah that line is very much put in there for effect. Yeah, and there's a line in the film in this film that's put in there for effect as well, and it's just like, mm, really, and it, you know the twist. Mm. Um, it's not the a grown moment. Twist. It's the grown moment. Isn't it's it? the greatest grown moment. There's a grown moment that happens in this film. It's disappointing, and but I mean, it's the like, it just becomes a little bit messy. So, in the least Lionel of ways. The least what? Lionel Messi. Oh, ways. <laughs> so many football. I know. <laughs> Although nothing's going to beat Roy Evans. <laughs> um, yeah. No. It's yeah. It's like it's melodramatic without properly alluding to why the characters would behave in the yes. way that they do. So the groundwork isn't properly laid for the last act, really. But the power and the satisfaction of it, of the subtext, carries it through. So mm. it's sort of like because it's sort of like the first half is satisfying dramatically, the second half is less satisfying, but because all of the subtext is in the second half, mm. it sort of neutralizes the second half and makes it still really interesting, even though you've got those irony moments mm-hmm. towards the end. So it's sort of it's 
ma- massively on the border between three and four stars for me. But right. I'm going to err on the side of positivity because it is interesting and it's feminist. So, mm. B. Okay. Right, so Citizen Four is a film about Edward Snowden. <laughs> very, and very Chronicles. dashing, dashing yeah. Edward Snowden. Yeah, uh, I, was, <laughs> I, I thought I, I didn't think you'd be displeased. Um, I'm not. I'm not making any whistleblowing jokes, by the way. No, no. Uh, I'm for the Hills, Oscar. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's not Oscar. It, it, it basically chronicles his uh, decision to um, uh, it, uh, to come out with all the uh, uh, na- allegedly um, national security uh, type level preference Pre- preference. I'm completely asking this up. All the sensitive material that the national national uh, NSA has deemed to be uh, of national security, he's just getting out of there because he's just exposing how ridiculously uh, they uh, invade our privacy in terms of how we use uh, uh, technology. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Do you, do you want to start with Snowden himself? Do you think it matters what you think of Snowden? How, um, does that equate to what you think of the documentary, what you think of him as a person? I think if I had a really negative viewpoint towards Edward Snowden mm-hmm. and I just thought this guy is a traitor, this guy is a criminal and I hate this guy then I would probably not like this documentary uh, If you be- were right wing you know, well, No, no, if, yeah, if, if I went in there with a bias against hating this character if if you were to like, flip it around the other, other way, if you were like this massively pro-Thatcherite person and you're watching um, uh, Hunger and, you, and, you, and you've got a big uh, anti-IRA thing, then yeah. you're not going to like that film. Just, just not going to happen. So, But I think if you're neutral, or if you think the guy's um, a hero, then um, you, there is definitely something to be got out of this film. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because, first of all, he's cute. <laughs> Second of all, he's cute. I know how he feels about surveillance, but I wouldn't mind surveying him. Put it that yeah. way. <laughs> it, but it's sort of like I wasn't sure about him at first because it does seem like, well, he he admits that he wants his name to be out there. Mm. He wants the credit for having done this, mm. but yeah. then obviously that all that does come with a lot of baggage. Yeah, a lot of baggage. Mm. So, but I think he seems like an intelligent guy. Um, eloquent, eloquent, sincere. Mm. So it's not, and it's actually the stronger parts of the film. I think are in the hotel room. Yeah. Um, and he, I think, I think when you get to him, and he starts explaining to them who've never to the journalists who don't know what they're dealing with, yeah. and he starts explaining it. That's when the film comes alive. Yeah, because before it was it was a bit like, oh, this is going to be a slog. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And um, I think it was, I, I think the personal angle from the director was probably, uh, I don't know if it was necessary, but I don't think it particularly worked. I don't think the um, necessarily the presentation of it all with like, the occasional bit of um, reading of emails or whatever, or 
the written stuff. I don't. I think it's done to try and make it just break look, it up. Yeah, look different. I don't think it's uh, particularly interesting. I think WikiLeaks did it better. Um, that side of it with the showing the communication, not the online communication. Yeah. Uh, between Leaker and uh, uh, Leaky, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> Look, that uh, sounds so wrong. I know. <laughs> Especially in a hotel room with Ed Snowden. Um, but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I do think even that, it's not when you really got Snowden talking about. It, I do think that has limited appeal, and especially the stuff where he just got her like like him just like sighing and looking out, out a window and all that sort of stuff. I mean, this could be massively trimmed down. Yeah, but what's, what's it's done the... for effect? It's done for character. I get why they've done it. It's done for character. It's done for effect. It's showing what the, what's happening to the guy. But what's novel about the film is that because documentaries are usually about in retrospect, but this is real as time. It was happening, which. Is it's it's real appeal because when they're in the hotel room, plotting how best to handle the situation, you can actually feel the tension between them, mm. and the fact and their responsibility to him as well, you know, yeah. um, because it's every country's got different laws and loopholes. And yeah, there's a lot of planning has got to be done to get him in a position where he's not going to be put in jail for the next, well. Mm. Most of his life. Yeah, I I do think as well. I, mean, I do think it, it does have it does get a bit, not well, not necessarily samey, but I think it runs loses its interest a bit. But by the time it does that, then it shifts into the how they're going to handle the backlash, and when you get to uh, the conversation with all the lawyers, that gets really interesting as well. Like that gives it another jolt. So it just there's always like a fresh. Uh, aspect to it that comes along that is actually interesting. Yeah. Uh, but what I think is the real strength of this um, is the placement of of things. So, and by that I mean, so so what you do is you have that's the scene where the lawyers point out that this is completely unfair, and that by unfair they mean the law is completely skewed against him. Yeah. Uh, and then after that. You have uh, uh, Obama's press officer saying, "Oh, he, oh he, we we want him to come home, and, and he he has to, and he'll and he'll have his day in court, and he'll get to uh, 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 let the legal process take its course." And they've already shown you that that, that legal process is complete BS, and it's completely uh, skewed, and it's not going to be a fair trial. So I think the placement of that's good. I think when they've already shown you how Obama um, uh, had these. Uh, things in place which he promised to get rid of and then actively furthered them uh, and, they, and they, they detail all that before uh, in the middle and then at the end you have Obama saying uh, oh I'd already um, gone for, um, organized a review on this and um, yeah, uh, this yeah, one yeah, yeah. Well, your, your review on what you what you've done to make this even worse Are you doing come on so, so I think that is the strength of it that they don't even need to have like some uh, uh, doing a voiceover underscoring the point. They they she's made the point in the way that she structured the film. Yeah, but if Michael Moore had done this, it would oh be, horrendous. Yeah, it would be um, it would be too it'd much. Be, it'd be him talking to camera, shaking. It's like, don't you see? <laughs> <laughs> so I, so I like that she's got a bit more um, respect. For, uh, and I think the um, uh, when the uh, uh, journalist is speaking in Portuguese in Portuguese to all the Brazilians. Uh, and he's, expl- he's explaining uh, how this affects. Uh, that, that, that's another example of where, where, where it's you've lost it 
a bit the interest with, with the snow moping around at uh, hotels. Oh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? When am I going to come out? When am I going to come out? Well, that's the question you're asking. Um, but, but, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. But, um, yeah, so, 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 the, the, there are various uh, elements during the film where, where they get they get that intrigue back. Yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about modern journalism as well because th- there is a lot... It's getting a bad because the political pressure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but journalism itself, it's, it's, there's a lot of criticism of it these days that it's shallow and inane, um, mm. which is mostly true. Mm. Um, but it's, I think, it's really heartening to know that there are people like journalists and filmmakers um, willing to go the extra mile, um, not just for the story, but you know, to get the information out there that everyone kind of needs to know and. Um, I think, like from a the Laura, um, what's her face who directed it? Yeah, I think she's heroic. I think she's you know, I think he's you know he's heroic in a different way. But I think she's heroic for getting the film out there and risking a lot to um, to make the film. And I think that's why probably living in a different win. country. <laughs> yeah, yeah, spending hours in bloody airport security. Mm. Every time you want to go somewhere, yeah, because uh, and that's, I do think that is um, the the, com- the conversation in inverted commas at the end on the on the pieces of paper. Um, it does really bring it home the the scale of it in a way that uh, pushes it on. I mean, and it bring, and it also brings home what you were saying earlier in the f- film about like if you cut off the head, there'll be another one, there'll be another one, there'll be another one, and then by the end of the film, there is. Yeah, the Hydra. Mm. Yeah. Um, I think it's a great film. B plus. Yeah, I think it's a four star film. Um, I, I think there are pacing pacing issues, and I think this, but but yeah, um, this is a seven or yeah. I'll give I'll give this a seven out of ten. High seven out of ten. Okay, so the Gambler. This is a film. From um. <laughs> it's all you know. It's good when it start when we start like that. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's it's not bad. It's not bad. Um, uh, the Gambler's film starring Mark Wahlberg as a professor of English literature. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Um, <laughs> as if. What's um, next? Dwayne Johnson's playing a, a Supreme Court judge. Um. Yeah, so he's a professor of English lit at this university in America. Don't know which city he is, but assuming not New York because of the gambling laws. He has a double life as a gambling addict who frequents casinos at night. Hmm. He owes the owner of one of these casinos $240,000. Just, just a bit then. Just a bit. And has opted to solve the issue by loaning money from a dangerous loan shark. Hmm. And it sounds standard, yeah. Apart from the English lit, um, but the interesting thing about it is that he the lectures on John Steinbeck. <laughs> it's not John Steinbeck. It's um... Steinbeck. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that wasn't correct. <laughs> well, we got all meta there with the <laughs> I think it was Marcel Camus. Marcel Camus? Is that an author? I don't know. 
did did a book called The Stranger. You can look it up anyway. Um, but the interesting thing about the film is that Mark Wahlberg is from one of the richest families in the country. So his grandfather founded a bank, and his mother, uh, who's Jessica Lang, is now coining it in from all the royalties from the bank. But he won't directly ask her for any of the money. So it has this sort of semi-interesting characterization where he's an addict, but it's almost as if he's become an addict because he sees money as pretty trivial and worthless mm-hmm. because he's never struggled. Yeah. And so, you know, one of the loan sharks suggests to him at one point that he likes to lose, and I think an element of that is true, um, and it's just because of his resentment towards privilege. You yeah. Know? So that's that's the interesting direction that it goes in because otherwise it's just essentially watching a guy piss a lot of money away, you know, for long periods. Yeah, so basically you're just talking about Roman Abramovich. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> I had to get another football reference in for you. On useless Spaniards. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! Did you hear about? <laughs> no, go on. We've got time. <laughs> did uh, Did you hear about Craig Burley? No. Craig Burley before the um, uh, the derby last week said that if if Fernando Torres scored at the at the um, Bernabeu, he'd have a tattoo of Torres done and Torres scored twice, <laughs> and he's had it done. Where? <laughs> on his forearm, I think. Oh my god, is it big? I don't know, but what? you don't have to do it. Has he got some teeth yet? <laughs> he, had, he had enough bite in midfield. <laughs> god, I think he's had too many bashes to the head anyway. Um, Alright, so... Back to the gambler. Mm. Um, even though it's an interesting character... We need to care about the character. And I don't think Wahlberg's bad in the film, but I'm not convinced that he's the best person for the role. Mm. Just because he's not very rootable as a person, as a figure. Right. Yeah. You know, he's used to playing people who are, you know, badasses, but mm. it's just because. He's not the most expressive or dynamic of people in the first place. So, and he underplays this deliberately. So, it just, a lot of the time where you're supposed to be watching him have his internal dilemma, there's not really a lot there. Yeah. It's like when you're saying, you say a lot that um, a better, if with a better actor, this would be as a star or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I don't, always agree with that but I think in this case I definitely agree that if you yeah. get someone I mean I don't know um, trying to think somebody like Oscar Isaac actually although no. I've been three, three films this week mm. um, that would that would make it for a much better film And um, somebody I'm trying to think who else actually um, I don't know just somebody with a bit more Better at introspective acting. Mm. Um, Brie Larson is in this. Interesting. 
as Wahlberg's student who he has an affair with. Obviously. <laughs> Which is a bit because, because he's the hottest guy in Boston. <laughs> um, this thank probably you, is thank you, Miss, thank you, Miss Kunis. What is that? What she said? In Ted, yeah. They, oh, he, in Ted. They, they had him say. They had to say that you're the hottest. He's the hottest guy in Boston. That's why I'm with him. Oh my god. <laughs> That he said that in the most Taylor Swift ways. He's like, oh my god, I'm just going to shake it. <laughs> Don't do another sing off. No, because then we'll be back to Ed Snowden with the, come on, won't you come on over, baby? <laughs> I thought you were going to say Ed Sheeran. No. <laughs> the Ed Snowden Taylor Swift duet. Because be... Ed Snowden's hair is hella good. <laughs> it's not the only thing. Um, yeah, so, <laughs> so Brie Larson is um, kind of shafted by this. Oh, didn't realise it was that graphic. <laughs> There's not much indication of why she's drawn to him in the first place. Um, mm. And he's lost a lot of weight for this and looks a bit ravaged. Really? And they kind of ditch her for a long time in the film and then they expect us to care at the end when mm. she's actually the last shot of the film and oh, they make the point of doing that, you know, closing that, that off, which is kind of like, well, why? Because there's a bit where there's a big, a big spin of the roulette wheel towards the end. It's like, is he going to win? Is he going to lose? Do you care at that point? Um, I cared in the sense that I didn't want him to win or lose. I cared mm. that I was interested in what was going to happen either, either way. Either way, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there was a moment, though, I thought they were going to end it like Inception. Oh, no. You know? Surely not. Which I don't know if that would be would have been good or not. It might have been better than how they actually ended it. Match point. <laughs> Match point. <laughs> yeah. That didn't end like that, though, did it? You said to remember the coin. Was it coin? The coin on the fence. Yeah. The bounces yeah. on the fence. Yeah. Because Woody was when he was writing it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I like much point. <laughs> <laughs> I don't dislike it. <laughs> um, so this is like, I mean, the gambler, it's about this guy who... Gambles. It's, it's, well, it's all, no, it's all about <laughs> him recouping the money and it's like first world problems. Mm, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it could it could have got to the point where it's like, oh, why do I care about this? Why am I watching this? Why are we? Why is there been another another film being made about somebody who's got more money than sense, mm. you know, and won't won't use sense? So, but the film is compelling enough. It's watchable enough, and they do try with this character, which I like. So it's B minus. Okay. Right. So a most violent year. Unlike the trailer suggests, takes place over about a month. <laughs> <laughs> what does the trailer suggest? Well, it, go, it, it keeps it, it stretches it like like January, someone being whacked over the head. Uh, uh, February, a window being broken. March, like, like it's like this chronicle of this most violent year. When it uh, actually isn't the uh, most violent year is about Oscar Isaac, who is a head of a. What would you call it? A uh, oil? Pet- petrol slash oil company, distribution company, uh, 
all of which are under various uh, surveillance from the local district attorney because it, it's such a dodgy industry. They're all stealing off each other. They're all um, uh, beating each other up and trying to, and trying to uh, rob, etc., etc. And Isaac is uh, embark, embarks upon a deal with a, lo- with a lo- load of local Jewish people who uh, sign a contract with him to sell them uh, their facility. Uh, he has to put down 40% of the profit now and deliver the rest in a month or he loses the deposit and shenanigans ensue. Yes. Shenanigans and wigs. And coats that are just Houstonly ridiculous. <laughs> they, fashion was like that though. The shoulder pads. Can't yeah. about the shoulder pads. Yeah, I think... <laughs> I think they just—it doesn't feel watching this. It didn't feel like milk, where the costume design just felt really natural, and um, I think it, everything felt like, oh look how eighties this is, as opposed to actually feeling natural. I thought it looked like it could have been made in the eighties. Mm. I don't know. Just maybe that was just the low budgetness of it. Mm. Mm. It's very derivative of clearly derivative of other films, like The Godfather. Yeah. Yeah, it, and I think in terms of performance, I think they are really, really going with Isaac uh, for the Pacino in The Godfather, getting, draw, getting drawn into it against his will, trying to, in, in, more thematically, but and also in terms of performance as well. Um, I think that is the direction they're going, but I just... I'm sort of face-palming as thinking oh, this really? Film. Yeah, I just think it's so dull. And, oh, it's slow. And it is slow. I think it's so dull and it's so generic and there's just nothing in there to keep you interested. And the only sort of things that would be... I think the explanation behind who's doing it all is really undercooked and lightweight and they, and they could have gone in more obvious ways. Um, but that, that, would, that would actually... Okay, fine, they'd be obvious, but they'd actually tie up and make a bit, make a bit more of a dramatic point. And I really, really, really dislike the subplot uh, with the the guy going on the run, uh, even though he actually uh, the subplot exists to give Catalina Sandino Moreno some work, which I'm all for. <laughs> True. Um, well, I loved the film. Mm. I I disagree with you about the what you find out who's doing it all because I think it's all about the reluctance. The, the effect. I think it's all about the reluctance of. Isaac's character to become that morally, mor- yeah, to become that guy, morally corrupt, ethically corrupt, and it's even more reluctant than Pacino because Pacino just eventually gives in, yeah, you know, which which you can believe, mm. um, because that's a bit of more of an extreme situation, um, but I think it's bold that there isn't really a villain in the film because when you find out who is the villain, they're not really a villain. No. If you get me, they're just mm. a passive component of mm. what's been happening, and that essentially it's it's actually a bigger issue, and it's not a vendetta. Mm. And I think that's the point because it's it's sort of showing how somebody can easily get drawn into an us versus them situation when it isn't that isn't the case at all. Mm. And which is why I also think Chastain's character works very well. Because he is so laid back and she is understandably wants to protect, you know. What she has. Yeah. 
Well, what did you think of Chastain then? Because I thought she's, she's, I thought she's fine. Um, I don't think she has a lot to do. Um, I think she's okay with what she's given. I think it's probably one of her least interesting performances in recent years, but she's still okay. Um, what was I going to say? Um, oh, what film were you talking about earlier? Um, you said something earlier which I was actually going to compare to this, but I can't. Uh, the vi- what about a villain? No, about um, a... Isaac, I think. Anyway, I can't remember. It's the morally corrupt like... thing, or. It'll come back to me. Okay. Um, it'll come back to me. Um, uh, Cat, on some of Cats, what do you think about Brooks? Good. Mm. Yeah, I thought he was good. He, he sometimes annoys me. Um, he didn't here. And that's yeah. a consigliere role. Yeah. Um, the subplot, I don't know. I mean, the guy who plays the the kid who who goes on the run mm. i think he's all right um mm. i think he, the the last scene maybe is a little bit iffy mm. but um i i bought that um i thought I, what i think you happens... by that point you you buy it because of what's happened before yeah when you get tried they tried to bring him in before you you, you can kind of guess that, that well not beforehand but once once you're in the scene you think oh yeah it's probably going that way and what eventually happens in that scene, I think, is the best outcome for the scene and for the film. Mm. Um, I, mean, I get the, the point. Oh, that's what I was. That, 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 that's what. That's what I was thinking about. You talked about um, in Ex Machina that um, it was like lines were written for effect, and I think that's. I think that's very much the case in this film. That um, uh, to, like, in, in within scenes, it's like there's like there's like a line which is usually. But Chris Nolanish, uh, <laughs> but um, uh, the the scene where I think it really does work and it doesn't feel like oh I've got a good line here so I'm going to deliver it and then that's going to underscore the whole point in the film is uh, something like uh, with the Catalina Sandina Moreno scene. I think there's a lot of genuine edge on that. I think there's a lot of uh, I think this uh, the one time Isaac really comes alive because he's playing a very reserved, uh, restrained character. Yeah. Uh, but I think in that scene, uh, you, you get you get the desperation and you get the intensity uh, between him and her. And w- when he says, uh, "I know why you lied, but I'm your best option," it's it doesn't f- it, that felt right to me in the characters and uh, on the back of the scene. It didn't feel like Isaac's thing. Oh, here's my line. Here's my good line for the scene. I'm just going to nail it down and then leave. Yeah, it is Which very I- much a case with that character as well that he's trying to do so much, but it's like. He can't fix everything, mm. but I, I um, these the way it's made. I thought it was similar to the Good Shepherd, in that it's quite it's very understated. It's slow yeah. burn, very slow burning. Um, mm-hmm. It's patient direction, which I'm surprised at Chando because I didn't think he could manage to to create something this nuanced given. Margin Call wasn't particularly about character um, and there wasn't any character and all is lost. So I think it's interesting that he's managed to to create a nice character study at the centre of it. Um, I think it's made with a measured tension that I think, you know, if people who don't like slow films are not 
going to warm to this. No. It's just because it's it's just... It relies on you being... Invested. Allured by the plot, yeah. Mm. And if you're not, I think this is going to be boring um, for well, you. I think, but... Well, I think in general it will appeal... In general it will slash should appeal to... Um, the, the people people who like stuff like The Sopranos because it's similar um, similar sort of subject matter, but it sort of dances around it because like when you got like Chastain, her dad is that is probably Tony Soprano. Yeah, yeah, With, um, yeah. But that's I mean, that is why I think I can believe the character um, would react in such a way because she's used to getting her own way. Yeah, and I do re- I do really like Chastain. I think she's better than. All of the supporting actress nominees. I think she's better than most, but that's just because I'm not that big on most of the nominees. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd have Arquette above her. Uh, the rest, I'd, I'd take her over the rest, though. But you can tell that Chanda is, um, has watched a lot of these type of films. You've got the, the French Connection train scene. Yeah. Where he follows the guy on the train straight out of French Connection. There's a good fella's vibe to it with the uh, just with the the hijackings and the general the general hoodlum feel to it, but mm. uh, it, it it is more it, the God, I think it's Godfather thematically. In, it, it, it's very, it, it is it is the point that they're making. It's 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 uh, it's trying trying to when he talks about trying to, to take them do the most honest thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, A minus. Uh, four. Didn't like this one. Okay. All right. So, shag Mary Kill. Um, well, only sort of two. So I would shag as in of yours. Watch right now. Uh, Alicia Vikander. Um, <laughs> Obs. Yeah, I'd watch season four every week for the rest of my life, and I'd be very bored for the rest of my life by the end of it, and I'd kill the most violent year. In the most violent ways. Ooh. <laughs> um, I would uh, marry a most violent year, shag ex machina or machina, and kill the machina. Kill, kill the gambler. <laughs> um, the position. Right. Continue. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The most violent year. Well, um, Chastain. Um, say do. I don't know if it's Sadu or Hathaway. It's both. Okay. It's just they just don't do that woman any favours. Uh, Catalina. Yeah. Yes. Wow. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go with Catalina. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, the position is silver. She's been ousted. Mm. The Garrett Gage. Yeah, so I've been very nice to Poots to 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 open this. To be yeah. fair, you have, yeah, we've well, yeah, because it's brunette, it's brunette Poots. <laughs> oh, that's why it helps. <laughs> it's all about the brunette. Mm. Um, yeah, ex ex Machina, Oscar Isaac. Now <laughs> <laughs> the range is over, but my God, um, say so do. No. Oh, the other way around. Beer swilling. Um, Jim, the muscles on him in this. There's a beard. Um, <laughs> He's ticking every box. <laughs> I didn't even mention this, but there's a scene in which he disco dances. It's like a ruffalo. 
You've flown 13 going on 30. Yeah. It has to be seen to be believed. He yeah. disco dances in an open shirted, um, open shirted thing. Did that work for you? I take it. It did. So yeah. it's a yes. Yeah. Obviously, um, Snowden's a yes. Domnal, no. Yeah. Domnal's a no. Mm. Snowden, close but no. <gasps> just because, just because he's too, Garrett, he's too pretty, boy. Garrett's he's just, yeah, Garrett's just a high bar. Mm. But maybe he's a little bit slim. He, he's 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 a he's a no in comparison to um to Garrett. But if it was three o'clock in the morning at, at the bar, he'd certainly be a yes. <laughs> if Garrett if Garrett had just gone home, <laughs> it might be a. It's almost a bell boost. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Because the, the the guy is so interesting, but, but yeah. um, yeah, it's close though. Unexpected. That's yeah. what I would say. Just an unexpected. Yes, thank so it's, God. It's, it's, like Sarah, it's, it's like Sarah Polly's sister. It's like, oh, I was not expecting that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, a Polly push. <laughs> um, special shout out for the guy's, the journalist's boyfriend at the airport as well. Uh, <laughs> I, was so, I was so shocked when it turned out that he was gay. I mean, I just did not see that one coming. Plot twist, the bombshell of the year. He sounded a lot straighter when he was speaking Brazilian. <laughs> Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> the Portuguese just... Um... <laughs> oh dear. I think he's been working on that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the gambler Mark Wahlberg's a no. There is a... Um... Decent looking basketball player, but mm. he's a no. Mm. Most violent year Oscar is a no. Hathaway. <laughs> Hathaway. That might be a sad dude. He's just, oh, I think it's the hair. Yeah. He looks a bit like a waxwork in this mm. times. Uh, is there anyone else in it? In the most violent year. Um, They're all just you. old men, aren't they? Apart from mm. him. Yeah. So it's 2.0 on the Garrett game. Oh, what about uh, Alessandro Nivola? Which one was he? Um, the one who, the, the sort of friendly one who plays tennis, uh, who he goes to at the end, his mate. Slash other. The guy from Junebug. Well, yeah. No, not quite, no. Not with no. Garrett. Not with Garrett on the prowl. <laughs> so it's 2.0. Okay, so we have a website. Um, if you listen to us, please follow us on Twitter at Move the Podcast, or our website uh, movepodcast.com. and um, follow us on Facebook in the Move the Podcast. We're on iTunes, Casts, Stitcher, Feedburner, the works. Mm. Next week we have Inherent Vice, and that's just describing our weekend actions. <laughs> Yeah, so stay tuned for that. Mm. <laughs> uh, with Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, downward slide for you? Um, yeah, yeah, well, I think he's just plateaued. <laughs> Inversely plateaued. <laughs> I don't think he, I don't think he went down between uh, the master and between Devil Blood and the master. Okay. 
Um, in uh, yeah, so we have Kingsman: The Secret Service with my neighbour. <laughs> the king. In a slightly more dynamic role than the king's speech. Um, <laughs> and some potential for the uh, protégé <laughs> on the cage. Oh my god. <laughs> oh dear. That, that's the most um, laissez-do <laughs> blue is the warmest colour moment of the podcast. <laughs> what? Isn't he young? Actually, yeah. I might, I might want to check that out. I might have to cut that out. <laughs> you said potential. Uh, we have the return of Stephen Daldry with Trash. <laughs> <laughs> and um, Big Hero 6 we have as well. Finally. Animated. Yeah. And there's also Son of a Gun with Ethan, uh, Ethan Hawke. Hugh McGregor, sorry. So, are we doing top tens next week, or are we waiting for the week after? We'll wait, we wait for the Oscars. We could do um, half decade awards. Half de- yeah, from 2010 onwards. Yeah, 2010 to 2014. Yeah? Hmm? Okay. Um, yeah, okay. Do you have a jam? Um, come back to me. Okay, okay, I might do. I might do. I, my jam is Natalie LaRose, and it's called Somebody. I do have a jam, but Spotify isn't immediately coming up for me. It is by a band called The Acorn. You mentioned this. Why did you? When did you mention this? I don't think I mentioned last this. Last week. No, I think I only found it. Did I? Did I mention The Acorn last week? I think you mentioned The Acorn. Alright, what it is, well last week, if I'd have mentioned something last week, it would have been Spring Thaw by the Acorn, in which case this week it would be Brokered Heart by the Acorn. Broken Heart? Brokered, as in, he brokered a deal. Oh, the heart won over by money. Mm, Or something like that. Money. Money. Money makes the world go around, the world go around, the world go around. Money makes the world go around, it makes the world go round. A marker yen, a buck or a pound, a marker yen, a buck or a pound. These coins that makes the world go around, that clinking, clanking sound can make the world go round. Money, 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 money. If you happen to be rich and you feel like a night's entertainment, you can pay for a gay escapade. If you happen to be rich and alone and you need a companion, you can ring. If you happen to be rich and you find you are left by your lover and you moan and you go and fight a lot, you can take it on the chin, call a cab and begin to recover on your 14 carat yacht. What? Money makes the world go round, the world go round, the world go round. Money makes the go round, the sad we both are sure. Being poor. 